Hello, and welcome to this episode in which we're going to address the historic site study for the 2021 exam, which is the White Tower, uh, the Tower of London. Uh, and this is going to be quite a big episode. We didn't want to chunk it down into little ones because we think it's quite important you look at it as a whole topic, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's one of those um, topics where you have to have the whole picture because you need to know everything about it to be able to answer any of the questions that they may throw at you. Hmm. Um, apologies before we begin for the state of my voice. Uh, unfortunately, it's either coronavirus or hay fever. Take your pick. <laughs> um, uh, this is going to sound a little odd because we're recording it during lockdown. So without further ado, we'll we'll get stuck in. And I suppose, is is the place to start either with what castles are, or should we start with London? Well, how, how about if we start with, with a recap on how William actually uh, managed to capture London yeah. and the circumstances which led to him building the White Tower? Because um, I think if you understand the importance of London... Um, why William needs to build a castle there. It will help you understand the functions of the White Tower and so on later on. So, okay, so if we, if we pick it up then, so he's, he's arrived, he's defeated Harold at Hastings, the mm-hmm. Anglo-Saxon nobility is scattered, yes. and then he doesn't head towards London, he heads along the coast towards Dover. That's right, yes. He, he, when he, after the Battle of Hastings... Um, William knows that there are various important places that he has to secure um, before, really, he tries to tackle London. So he goes to Dover, and the main reason he goes to Dover is because it's a really useful way of securing his supply Mm. lines back to um, the continent. There's also a big English garrison there as well. Um, And then he takes a route which takes him south of London. He goes to Canterbury, which is obviously the religious centre of England, Mm-hmm. And then he carries on west to Winchester, where he takes control of the royal treasury. By, and by taking hold of those three things, Dover, Canterbury, Winchester, he's really secured traditional centres of royal authority yeah. and a strategic link back home. And so therefore, he's not really got a massive rush to get to London at this point. No. Uh, at this point, London's more symbolic than anything else, because Winchester has been the centre of government for a very long time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, And, you know, it's... it's it, I don't think you, you can. Nothing is done by accident with William in no. these first, you know, these first weeks of the conquest. Um, he actually, after he, he did try to get to London by yeah. attacking from Southwark. Um, if you know your geography, London Bridge. At the time, London was on the north bank of the Thames, and the Southwark was just a small suburb. He tried to cross the bridge, but he was repulsed by the locals, and so um, he, what he did is he, he moved west. Yeah, and this is where we see the same tactic that we'll see uh, again, which is he's been repulsed, they've managed to defeat him, so he basically does a scorched earth around. Yeah, yeah, burning, terrorising, and and he he takes his time. He crosses the Thames at Wallingford onto the North Bank, and then he goes to Berkhamstead, where this very famous meeting takes place, where he receives the oath of loyalty from all the leading Anglo-Saxons, including Edgar, Edwin, Morcar. But he still doesn't go to London. He then goes to Westminster, which is just outside London. Yeah. Um, but this is where the traditional seat of royal authority is. It's where Edward the Confessor has built an abbey and a palace. Um, so he's, yeah, he's still not actually taken London itself. Um, when he gets to Westminster, he then makes his preparations. He starts building his siege engines. But he doesn't actually need to use them because no. he takes London by making promises bribes, and basically persuading the leading Anglo-Saxons that they don't need to fight. It's that same thing we've seen before with William. He he won't fight unless he has to, because if you fight, there's doubt over the outcome. It's much better to bargain, bribe, negotiate. Yeah, and he gets all of the leading nobles. Edgar is really important, last prince of the English royal family. Yeah. Um, he gets Edwin and Morcar, the Northern Earls, Archbishop Stigand and Archbishop Eldred. They all come and they all submit to him. And it's really easy to remember the day that William is yeah. crowned, because it's Christmas Day, 1066. Yeah. Um, 
Now, all of that information is in your books. Hmm. So you just need to reread it. So there's nothing new there in terms of your learning. You should already know most of that. Um, but now he's got London, he obviously needs to um, control London. And he does it by building castles. And he doesn't just build one, he builds three. Shall we stop there? Before we get into the geography of London, shall we talk about castles in general then? About yes, why we... this is this is his way of keeping control. Yeah. I mean, I mean the Normans, within 20 years of the conquest, there's around, there's almost 50 large castles and many, many smaller ones all over England. The total's and, about 500. Yeah, they are. They are the the, the lasting symbol of Norman authority. It's it's their main way of being able to control a much larger Anglo-Saxon population with a with a relatively small number of Norman soldiers. The way I always tell people to think of it is the modern equivalent is the aircraft carrier. Mm. You sail your aircraft carrier to a point, but the aircraft carrier is not the important bit. What's important is the circle that you can draw around the aircraft carrier which the aeroplanes can reach. And yeah. anything within that area, a thousand miles across, only continues to exist because the aircraft carrier allows it to. And it's yeah. the same with castles, except it's not aircraft, it's cavalry. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, without the castle, they wouldn't have been able to conquer England. Or they wouldn't have been able to hold it, at yeah. least. Yeah. Um, now, you... You, you need to know about the, the, the purposes of castles because, you know, the, the, the simple answer is oh, just to keep you safe, but there's actually, they, they fulfill lots of different functions. Mm. And the White Tower is no different, as we'll find out later on in this podcast. So some of the functions of castles, well, first and foremost, is protection. Yeah, it's a safe Even place f- to go to in times of trouble. Yeah, and it can control an area or a strategic resource, trade route, a river... Crossings. It's symbolic of Norman power. They're alien structures. They don't exist in England. Yeah, so they are a constant like reminder to the Anglo-Saxon peasantry, we are here and we are watching you. And that's they're, because they're this symbol, they're a symbol of lordship, aren't they, as well? Mm. It's where the yeah. lord lives. It's the centre of his lordship. It's the centre of the administration for that lordship. It's, they, it's where the help. courts happen. Yeah, they they help develop towns and they stimulate the economy as well. Oh, the again, economic will... impact of castles is something everybody always forgets because it's not just that they grow towns around them, but the building of them, this multi-generational endeavour brings in people from all over the place. It creates communities of craftspeople, jobs. It brings in trade from wherever the stone's coming from. They're just economic powerhouses. Yeah. And, you know, all all of these things, you will see the White Tower relates to all of these functions in some way. Yeah. Um, But I suppose what we do need to make very clear is that the vast majority of Norman castles at this time are not like the White Tower. No. They are no. that iconic Mott and Bailey. Yeah. The wooden structure on top of the mound, the Mott. Um, quick, cheap to build, and so on. It's only later that they replace these in stone. And so that in itself is one of the reasons why the White Tower is, is quite special, because it's one of the few very early stone tower keeps. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, so if if that's if that's castles in general, then mm-hmm. so obviously to control England, he uh, sorry to control London, he puts in three castles. Yes, uh, now two of them, Baynard's Castle and Montfichet Castle, are towards the west. They control the western route into London and the very important road between Westminster, that symbolic royal centre and the city of London itself. But the White Tower is built on the other side of London, in the southeast corner. Hmm. Um, in Actually, in the corner of the old Roman walls, which are repaired. Um, and it was started sometime in the late 1070s. We know it was finished by 1097, so it, it, it took 
you know many many years to build um but it's only one part of a defensive system for the whole city of london um the location of it's quite interesting isn't it because it's it's down at that southern end down by the river and mm. it's the it's controlling the entrance to the city by the river which is the main way in really yeah and it, don't forget we'll touch on this again in more detail later but the late 11th century it's right at the very end of the of the viking era mm. and they use the rivers of their arteries, aren't they, to yeah. find their way inland. So, you know, William knows that this is a very strategic place. And it's, it's where it's built as well is it's closer to London Bridge than the other two castles are as well. So yeah. it, it's more important for controlling the river crossing as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there you go. That's the, that's, that's the overview. That's how London gets this White Tower. Um and the events which led to its building. Um, I think the next bit that we need to look at really is the the actual design mm-hmm. of this tower and what makes it special because it's not a typical castle of the Norman era. It's special no. in, in many, many different ways. Um, and again, just, just visually, there is nothing like it in England. There isn't even any other Norman buildings like it in England. This is unique and it's designed to be unique. Yeah, it's um, it's it's actual. It's architecture. The design of it is, it's it's magnificent. Everything about it is magnificent. The actual architect was a guy called uh, Gundolf, who was the Bishop of Rochester, and William trusted Gundolf in large complex building operations like this because he knew Gundolf from Normandy. He was a monk at Cairn where the great abbey at Cairn, which was the conqueror's main building work before he came to England and started building the White Tower. And Gundolf was also responsible for building the castle and cathedral at Rochester as well. So this is a very experienced person. He may have been a monk, but you know, if he had lived in the modern times, he clearly would have been an architect, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, well, it's the same thing because it's only the monks who have the education uh, with the, all the Vitruvian stuff from the Roman Empire who actually can design and build these massive structures. Yes, and 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 it's you know the size is one thing, but the the, the building materials and the, mm. the the way that it looks is is all part of the of the effect as well. He, okay, Gandalf okay. imports oh, the was... limestone from Cairn. <laughs> I was just going to say, why is it called the White Tower there? Uh, right, okay. So it's, it's probably uh, because of the building material. Um, the, the limestone that is used in its construction was actually quarried at Cairn. And those those quarries became the main source of stone for, for most of the Norman buildings in London and the south of England. And it was whitewashed as well. So that's probably why it's called the White Tower. So let me ask you a question then, because... Call me silly, but you've come over here to England. It's it's not been a cheap enterprise. Why would you then go to all the expense and effort of bringing stone over the channel instead of just using the limestone that's here? You know, the the, the sandstone that everything else is built of. Yeah, well, it's, it, I suppose it's prestige. It's to show that you can do it, maybe. And Trans- Norman stone. Yeah, transplanting Norman stone into England. It's kind of saying we're here, isn't it? We're here yeah. to stay. You know, and, and what you see today is pretty much what you would have seen when it was completed yeah. as well. I mean, you, you just said a moment ago that um, it, it is a stunning building. And it is. If When you finish listening to this podcast, if you pop on the internet, you can do a virtual tour around the outside and around the inside. It's, it's well worth it to look at. Yeah, and it, it, it's you know, it, it's one of the most photographed buildings in the world, so it's instantly recognisable as well. Mm. Um, now, in, in, in more to do with, with the design as well, it's it's clearly designed like lots of other hall keeps as a fortified residence. Well, what do you mean when you say a fortified residence? What what is that? Right, so. The, the type of castle that this is, the type of structure, is it's clearly got a military purpose. 
as we will look at, it's fortified. It is <laughs> designed to keep you safe. But if you take a closer look at the inside, it's also clearly somewhere to live. It's mm. a residence. And so it's, we call it a fortified residence. It's a safe place to live. And um, the White Tower, because it was designed to accommodate the king rather than just any old lord, it is larger than any other hall keep in England, with the exception of one, Colchester, which we'll come to in a bit. Yeah. And the unusual size of the White Tower meant that the interior could be subdivided into different spaces, some of them used for defence, some of them used for living. Um, but it's very clear that this is a, it's, it's a combo type of building. You know, it's somewhere to live and somewhere to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So, so we could look at the actual in dimensions, the interior dimensions. Yeah. Each floor is divided into three major rooms, which measure 107 by 118 feet. They're huge. Wow. And the outer walls, in some places, are 15 feet thick. That's five metres for those <laughs> people working in metric. Yeah. That's, now, bizarre, if, that's that's incomprehensible. Yeah. Because that's thicker than most corridors in schools. Yes. In fact, they're so thick, some of these walls, that you can fit corridors inside them. Yeah. As you'll see. <laughs> I suppose, thinking about it, everybody yeah. now should yeah. know what two metres feels like. Yeah. So there you go. There's no excuse. Double that. <laughs> <laughs> now... If you, there are actually on the PowerPoints on Google Classroom, there are some slides which show you the way the interior is divided. Um, so the first floor, or the ground floor, I should say, which we also confusingly call basement, but even though it's not underground. Can I just, I, I'll pick that one up for you if you want. Yeah, go on. The reason the ground floor is called the basement is because on a lot of these um, late medieval, sorry, early medieval castle designs, the main entrance is up a set of steps onto what would we would call the first floor mm, yeah, to right. create an extra level of defensiveness. So the actual ground floor can only be accessed from the inside. Yeah. And what the basement or the ground floor was used for, you, you could probably guess, can't you? Mm. Storerooms. There's a well down there. And it was used as a prison as well later on. You mentioned the first floor. First floor, in many ways, probably most important because it's where the entrance is. Yeah. It's where the guard rooms are. And it's also where you get access to St. John's Chapel, which at 55 feet long is the largest chapel in any Norman castle. And it actually rises through the floor above. So it's a double height room. And it's very, it's, it's magnificent, you know, and it's all squeezed inside this massive hall this uh, this massive keep and again um, it's it's in keeping if you'll pardon the pun with william because a it's prestige because he's the king but also we know he's a very devout man so it yes. makes sense that he would have this large chapel as part of his residence yeah um and the d- second floor has more residential rooms and it's got a huge banqueting hall 90 feet 95 feet long Lots of windows, big fireplaces. So it's very clear, you know, that this has been the interior has been designed to be magnificent. Now, if you're going to look at the White Tower and try to work out why it's got this unique design, um, then what you really have to do is you have to compare it to another. Uh, hall to, uh, tower keep in England which is the tower at Colchester and the reason why we compare these two towers is because they have a lot in common hmm. they're very very unusual in their design if you was to look at them from above and like see a floor plan they're, they're essentially rectangular almost square but rectangular and then in the the eastern corner they have this semicircle jutting out which is where the chapel is Mm. now it's a very strange looking design and they're the only two towers in england that actually have this design 
and this has led many uh, historians to sort of debate which one came first, if you like, which is the original design, and, and why were they designed in this very unusual way. Now, again, on one of the PowerPoints on Google Classroom, and you can look it on the internet as well, if you type in like floor plan of Colchester and floor plan of the White Tower, they look very, very similar. This rectangular shape, the semicircle apse projecting from the east wall, which contains the chapel. Um, but there's nothing else like them in England at all. Why Why are these two different then? Yeah, so this is, there's really there's three major theories as to why these two towers are completely different from the rest. The first one is, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's a strong contender. It's because, as we've mentioned before, both these towers were specifically designed to include all the things that a king would need mm. in a safe place, in a fortified residence. So they're both basically the result of the specific circumstances in England after the conquest. You've got a king who needs to have a very impressive place to live, but it needs to be somewhere very, very safe. Yeah. So they've compressed all of the rooms that they need to live into this single massive stone tower. And so that's why you end up with this very strange rectangular shape with the little projection. I don't know, what do you think? I think that's a pretty sensible theory, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, it, 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 it fits all of the known facts. Yes, and exactly. I mean, I mean, the other two aren't exactly, you know, out there. We're not, like, talking ancient aliens. But that one feels, to me, pretty solid. Yeah. The, the second one is um, it's actually to do with Colchester. Now, archaeologists, when they were um, uh, completing excavations at Colchester, they discovered that the tower there was actually built on the foundation platform of a Roman temple, and it copied its shape. It was actually the Roman temple of Claudius, which was the largest Roman temple in Britain. And this has led some people to suggest that the tower at Colchester had been built on top of that as an attempt by William to kind of use the Roman past to legitimise himself, to make the Anglo-Saxons associate him with the Romans. You know, like his great big tower is like a Roman temple and he is like a Roman emperor. Now, if you believe that theory, it would suggest that Colchester is the most important of the two, wouldn't it? Because it's the one yeah. that's built on the temple. And then um, the White Tower was based off it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. No, I, I have got a couple of, there's, there's a couple of things we know that that's a factor with William because he keeps using pre-existing Roman structures. He uses it at Pevensey, he uses it in London, he uses it at Colchester. But the, the, the focus on his structures and designs is so very much Norman that I don't think he'd want to dilute the power of that by harking to a Norman past, uh, yeah. a Roman past. Roman, I'll yeah. tell you what I think, though. I think it's entirely possible that your monkey lad Gundolf is doing it because that's the kind of thing a highly educated student of Vitruvius and uh, Roman architecture might do as as like a, an homage. Yeah. And, and and let's not forget as well that Gandalf has, has cut his teeth in this in Normandy, yeah. where, as we're going to see as well, that buildings of this type do actually already exist. And this is what the mm. third explanation is. It could be that the White Tower and the one at Colchester are actually modelled on earlier continental ones. And there's two towers in particular that historians like to point to. The first one is the Great Tower at Rouen. In Normandy, and Rouen was like, I suppose, the Normans' capital city. Yeah, and the tower itself actually stood in a very similar position as the White Tower does, right next to the the river which goes through the the city and inside the city defences. And the other one in Normandy is the castle at Ivry, and um, the ground plan of that matches the White Tower in Colchester, and they're all very similar in their dimensions. And here's the key. We know that the castle at Ivry was completed by 1040. Yeah. Which is 30 years before they even started the White Tower. Yeah. Which again feeds into that idea of them importing Norman culture. 
yeah. taking what they know already works, bringing it here, sticking it down, and going, look at that, you peasants. Yeah. So, you know, if, you, if you're going to look at these, at, at the White Tower, this, this seemingly unique design, and you're trying to work out where it comes from, I mean, it's, it's reasonable to assume that this, it probably is copied or based on earlier Norman examples. It yeah. makes sense if it did, because the, the Tower at Rouen was the symbol of the Dukes of Normandy. It was their symbol of power. And um, the desire, the need to have somewhere safe has played a big part in it as well. And they probably had that same desire in Normandy too. Yeah. So the, the why is it designed like that? It's probably a mixture, isn't it, of the, of the first and third one. Yeah. Well, that's my opinion anyway. I might be wrong. I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that, and I'd say that the um, the the Roman thing is largely coincidental. Um, but for yeah. me, the the key thing to bear in mind is the fact that this is a Norman building. Yes. Right now, obviously, we've covered quite a lot already, um, but now we need to look at the the functions of the White Tower because. I mean, it's, 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 it's possible in the exam that your question could ask you, you know, the main change that um, Norman Castles uh, indicated was a change in architectural style or design. That could be a focus of a question, but it's probably more likely to be something to do with the function of castles. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier to see the different functions of castles in the White Tower, yeah, I think. Definitely. Yeah, well, because so, uh, it's 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 sort of the ultimate, isn't it? It's it's the ultimate military base because it's where the king is. It's the ultimate administrative base because it's where the king is. It's the ultimate religious because it's got a chapel in it. So it, it really is the best exemplar of everything that castles do. Yeah. So, what do you want to start with? I mean, we spoke about some of the functions of castles before. We talked about the military functions, residential, palace, symbolic. Can we can we, we can pick up on the palace thing? I'm yes. I'm really interested because that's what makes the White Tower different to say the castle at York or hmm. Pevensey Castle. Um, yeah. This 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 to me is what makes it different. It's built for the king. Yeah, I mean, if you if you were to go before the Normans turn up, as you mentioned earlier, there's no there's nothing like this in England. A typical Anglo-Saxon palace where a king or someone of high status lives is they're going to be a, a sprawling complex of single-story timber buildings. Some of them were halls where you have the great ceremonies and you know like the great mead halls of the Anglo-Saxons. Mm. Some of them are chambers where you have your private time, domestic use. But the Normans, they, they, they introduced this great keep, this fortified residence. And I don't think that anyone in their right mind would argue against the idea that the White Tower was designed as somewhere for the king to have a residence. Oh, absolutely not. And um, it's, you know, there were others. There was the palace at Westminster. There'd been one built by Edward the Confessor, which existed when the Conqueror turned up, and William II, his successor built a palace at Westminster as well and they were actually the main royal residences near London but the tower is still a residence it's a safe alternative isn't it in a, in a time of crisis and it's got all three essential components of a palace it's got the great hall for the ceremonies it's got the chamber for the domestic use the private use and it's got the chapel and they're all there under one roof and as we mentioned before the very fact that it has all these things is probably the main reason why it ends up looking like it does in the first place. Yeah. We also mentioned earlier about the interior, and the interior shows you it was a residence as well. The first and mm -hmm. second floors are mainly residential, banqueting halls. You know, the king would have sat, you know, in the great hall, holding court. Um, there's all the smaller rooms around the great hall where other people could use as bedrooms or you know, private places, there's lots of fireplaces, there's guard robes, toilets, all throughout the actual building. You wouldn't have any of these things if it wasn't designed 
to be used as for a residential purpose. Absolutely. Um, now, some people might say, well, there's no evidence of separate accommodation for servants or somewhere to cook food. You know, there's no kitchen. But that's not a problem. There was an inner bailey to the south of the tower. Yeah. The Normans actually built a hall of timber there, and that's where the kitchens, the bakery, the storehouses, it was all there, you know? Mm. The tower the, itself is the residence. And I was going to say, that, again, to me, highlights the fact that this is different to your other modern bailey castles, because in those ones, you've got your lord living there, and it's kind of all jumbled in together. Here, this is a palace. This is purely for the king. The servants, everybody else, is kept off to one side. Yeah. The most magnificent building for the most magnificent person. Absolutely. So, you know, if you get in your in your exam, you know, oh, the, the main purpose of Norman Hall Keeps was to serve as a, a residence or the king's palace, that'd be pretty easy to actually write a good couple of paragraphs on. Yeah, very much. But of course, it's not the only function. Nope. So where do you want to go next? Military uh, functions? Military is the obvious one because it's a castle. Yeah. yeah. Well, location-wise, I think that kind of proves that it was built for military purposes. It's As you mentioned earlier, it's, approaching, uh, it's guarding the approaches from the east. You know, anyone coming from the sea, coming up river, the White Tower is there. Um, it's close to the crossing, London Bridge. And of course, it controls London itself, which is the the, the largest and greatest commercial centre in the whole of England. It needs to be protected so that no one else can take it from them. So, because this is the first stone castle... Are there any particular defensive features built into it? Yes. So, I mean, the, the most obvious is, 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 is absolute size. Yeah. Height and thickness of the walls show you that it is a very strong building. Um, the entrance was on the first floor, so it's easier to defend. It would have had its own tower defending it as well. Um, its interior has more defensive features, so it's got a central spine wall, which divides the keep into two. And we know from the Siege of Rochester um, that that would be a very, very useful defensive feature because if one part of the keep is captured, you can then retreat behind that spine wall. Yeah. And the Tower of London has one of those, although it, it did have doors in it. But I don't think that should surprise you because it is obviously it's a palace as well, but it still yeah. serves a defensive purpose. Um, it's got high screening external walls um they actually make it look like it's got another story on top which makes mm -hmm. it you know even bigger even more impressive and that in itself is a military tactic yeah. to overawe and discourage anyone from attacking if, it if you if you look at pictures of it taken from ground level you imagine walking up to this thing and you know your your rebellious baron saying all right lads we're going to attack that and you, you, no, no, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, how? How do we get in? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no door. Because, of yeah. course, as we've said, the door is on the second floor. Oh, sorry, the first floor. And you can only reach it by a wooden walkway that they can quite happily chop down. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's clearly, I mean, like we said earlier, you wouldn't argue that it was designed as a residence. And you can't argue that it isn't, designed as a military structure as well. I was just going to say, you said something earlier about corridors inside the walls. Yeah, so inside some of the thickest parts of the of the wall, there's actually passageways up on the top floor which allow archers and other defenders to move around safely and to change position to defend the actual castle itself. That's incredible, um, isn't it? So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it is a military building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, if if you're if the question you get asked, you know, invites you to talk about the military functions of a castle, you can do uh, a couple of paragraphs talking about the military functions of, of castles, and you can uh, support your argument with examples from the White Tower, because it, again, it it it's a perfect example of a of a defensive stone tower, a keep. Now, I've always been a big fan of the symbolic power of castles. So, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been mentioning that throughout this, 
but it, that's definitely something you could talk about. Yeah. Now, I suppose the first thing we could talk about with, with it being symbolic as its major primary function is that even though it is clearly a military building and it's clearly a um, a, a palace, a residence, we do know that most Norman kings, especially after William II, that they stayed at Westminster and they only really used the tower in extraordinary circumstances. And so the tower became, I, I, I suppose, a place for the occasional performance of, of ceremonies and grandeur to try and show the people of London and other important visitors, this is how powerful we are. This is mm. who we are, you know? Um, but it, it goes much, much deeper than that as well. The yeah. actual building itself is, is just, it screams power yeah. and strength. It's, it's the, it, the squareness of it, the squatness of it, and the use of vertical lines all the way along and the fact there's no external buttressing or anything like that it's this solid cube and it squats there made out of white stone so it stands out against all of the wooden buildings of london towering over them the whiteness of it i mean we we mentioned it earlier but that's part of this symbolic isn't it it's yeah and if you've never seen anything like this before the biggest buildings in anglo-saxon england were were usually church buildings yeah, and then the Normans turn up and they just plonk this down in the middle of your capital city. Hmm. The nothing, <laughs> nothing else tells you, does it? No. Like a castle that you're not in control. <laughs> these these guys are more powerful than you are. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is, it's it it's permanent. It's built out of stone. It's like a cot. It's it's a statement of intent we are here and we are staying yeah. you're not going to get rid of us this isn't a viking raid or something like the dane law where alfred the great's going to rock up and kick us out we own you yeah and this is where the white tower is like so many other castles as well because that same symbolic sort of function is played out all over england in all the yeah. towns, from in York, you know, it's, it's played out there, down in Exeter, all over England. These castles are springing up, and they they are symbols. And with it, you could go into it deeper. You know, they're, they're often built next to cathedrals as well, which is another symbolic thing, isn't it? Is it worth talking about the administrative and governmental side yeah, of it? I think so. Yeah, because you know, another important. It, I mean, this one's more like an, an impact, I suppose, as well. But the, the role that castles play in lordship, you know, it's not just residence, it's not just a fortress, it's not just a symbol, it's the centre of a functioning lordship. Now, the White Tower was a little bit different because, you know, your 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 castle in York is obviously the centre of Yorkshire and so on, but the White Tower, it's not just the, the centre of a lordship, is it? It's the seat of a of a king. Mm. And so it's it's a little bit different in that respect. Yeah. But it's still, it, you know, all castles are an emblem of authority, of feudal lordship. Um, and it's, everything that needs to happen in your lordship will go through your castle. The only evidence we have for where William is is, is the court records, the documents that are actually stored there. And along with your tax collections and your, your, your scribes and scriveners and all the other people, this is the centre of Norman government. Yeah. And because they are also centres of, of administration, they a lot of these castles have to be built in, in actually quite accessible places. You know, you, mm. you don't usually get a castle perched up on a, on a hilltop or on some desolate outcrop like... Tintagel or Corf Castle, they look beautiful, but they're not actually that um, useful. No, most castles no. are built in places that have good communication links and mm. access to resources because they need to be, like you say, to play that role as a, as a court, somewhere yeah. to to pay your taxes and so on. And because so, of that, be- oh, because I was going to say, because they're built in these accessible places, they also then have an economic impact as well. Yeah. On, on settlement in in general you know the, the 
just about every town in England had a castle built in it by the Normans. Um, and some of the towns were, were altered completely. You know, people's homes were torn down. That they were reshaped mm. around these castles. But the disruption that they caused would only be temporary, and soon they would become centres of trade, places, you know, people would flock to these castle towns Hmm. to serve the garrison and so on. It's it's interesting because there's so many things that this castle is doing, that all castles are doing, but in the exam you're going to be asked to talk about which, you're going to be presented with one. Now you're going to be asked, this was the main reason that castles were built or the White Tower was built. And you're going to be asked to talk about which is the most important. So, over to you. Which do you think is the most important? Right. Well, I mean, I suppose... What I need to do here is I need to say that they're all important. Yes. They, they, They are all important. But I think the most pressing concern would have been defence, military. Yeah. That's like the, the first and foremost. The White Tower is, is a little bit special because it's not just, though, for military purposes, because it also has to incorporate a palace, a residence. Yeah. Um, but the very building of a magnificent residence and a stunningly effective military building is symbolic in itself, isn't it? Yeah. So I've kind of copped out there and I've gone... <laughs> See, I, <laughs> I've got I all would, three. I would say that castles in general, it's the military. Yeah. Okay? And you can give plenty of examples from um, the White Tower to back that up. It's use of control for London, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. But I would say that the main function of the White Tower is control. And control brings in the military. It brings in the administrative. And it brings in, for me, the psychological and the symbolic. Because otherwise, there's no point in building it out of the Norman stone. Yeah. See, I I would say, you know, if you talk about castles in general, then military is is the key. But with the White Tower, you know, it's, it's, it's one of three castles in London. And it's... It is a symbol as well, the yeah. symbolic thing. I, I, I think that's that's really important. The whole, yeah. you know, the, the impact that it has on settlement and stimulating the economy are are secondary. You know that yeah. they are the result of building a castle as opposed to its actual initial purpose. I will just say, if you are interested in the economic impact of castles, then we have another episode on Pevensey Castle, which mm. goes into that in a great detail. That's well worth listening to if you want to pick up that. There is one thing we haven't really talked about, though, isn't it? About castles. And it's about their role in landholding and lordship. Mm. So, I mean, it's because you've got to remember that William has arrived and he has parceled up this land amongst his followers and imported the Norman feudal system so he has subinfeudinated all this land to all these various people split it up into various domains and all this and each of these people then with their land does what on it mm. well they, they build themselves probably a mott and bailey castle yeah yeah um, so, so yeah it's, it's an important aspect of of, of castles in in general yeah, uh, but with, with with the White Tower specifically, it's it's not it's not really the centre of a lordship, is it? Well, it's it is a, because it's the centre of, of the a, overall. Lordship. Yeah, it's the centre of 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 a of a kingdom in a way, which is why it has to be the biggest and the best. Yes, because it is the castle that rules over all the other castles. Um. And and likewise, as you've been talking about, in a lot of other cases, castles are built in pre-existing settlements or settlements grow around them. This one has been built to dominate the biggest settlement. Yeah. Now, if if I was sitting this exam and I know that there's going to be a question on the White Tower. Just I before, would... before you do that, 
before mm-hmm. you do that, let's just talk about what the question looks like. Yes, that's let's, yeah, that's where I was going to go. Let's yeah. oh well, I headed you off at the pass. Um, <laughs> so, all right, so the, it's a sixteen mark question. Yeah, and uh, so you'll have a big old chunk of time on it. Yeah, and you're expected to know about its location, its functions, key events, and people that are connected to it. You need to know about its design and how it reflects the sort of culture and values of Norman England in general. Mm-hmm. That sounds quite difficult, but I think we both reckon that the, the question is going to be quite straightforward about functions, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, don't be scared by the amount that you have to remember. You just keep no. in your head, why has this white tower been built? My there advice... Are... So I, I was just going to say, my advice for the 60-mark question... Uh, on the White Tower is always create an A3 mind map where in the middle you've got the White Tower and then you've got coming off it all of these things that we've talked about and then using that you can answer any one of these questions. So don't worry about remembering it. It's actually not that much. What you have to be able to talk about is how these bits fit together and which ones are important. Yeah, and you know, you're using specific stuff about the White yeah. Tower to illustrate your answer. So, yeah, like you say, big mind map, functions of the White Tower, protection, palace, yeah. residence, centre of administration, control, intimidation, symbolic, all that kind of stuff. And how does, you know, what evidence have you have that yeah. proves that the White Tower was built for those purposes? Yeah. So... Okay, so how how do we go about answering this then? Right, so what, you'll be given a statement, and then the statement will be followed by how far does a study of the White Tower support this statement? And we obviously don't know what the, the focus of that statement's going to be, but it's going to be something to do with, you know, the reason why it was built, um, the kind of changes that it illustrates, or the consequences of castle building. Mm-hmm. Um, we have got some example questions that we've put on Google Classroom for you. They're on the final yeah. PowerPoint of the White Tower series of PowerPoints. So I could I could read a couple of ones that we've made out made yeah, up. Yeah, I you. mean uh, the 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 one that jumps out to me, obviously, I don't want to sound like a one trick pony, but the main purpose of Norman Tower keeps was to act as a visible reminder and a symbol of the power and authority of Norman kings. Yeah. How far that, does a study of the White Tower support this statement? Explain your answer. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, that that would be. I mean, if you got that, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, the the way that you answer it is you need to have three sections. Yeah. The first section is you have to put everything you can to support the statement. So, in the example that you've used, it's a visible reminder and symbol of power and authority. You basically have to write a nice big section, a couple of paragraphs, explaining how castles are a symbol of power and authority and how the White Tower relates to that. When you've done that, you then have to balance your answer up by giving a second section with evidence that you have that does not support the statement. So basically, what were the other reasons for the Normans to build tower keeps? And you can bring in everything else you know there. You could have a section on the military purposes. You could have a section on the residential functions. Hmm. And, you know, you might you might well write two or three paragraphs on that. And the Paragraph key thing is, function. because you know roughly what the question's going to be, you can have these paragraphs more or less written before yeah. you go in. Yeah, that's 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 a lesson that we've learnt from past experience. That yeah. the people that have got the best marks on these have actually kind of pre-prepared their answer already. Yeah, they know roughly what they would write about in each paragraph because they know roughly how the question is going to be asked. And, and then of you course, just you, tailor. Sorry. Yeah. You no, just, go on, Karen. Yeah, I was just going to say you just tailor the paragraph that you've already got in your head to mm. the actual question that's on the paper in front of you. And then once you've supported the statement with your knowledge and then written a section to show the examiner that you actually know there are other functions and that you have knowledge which argues against the statement, then you just have your conclusion. 
and you answered the question directly you know so how far does your study of the white tower support that statement and it might fully support it it might not support it at all yeah. and the likelihood is that it partially supports it mm-hmm. and the uh one of the other things we've learned as well is the way to score the highest mark is to be constantly evaluating as you go through this mm. idea of a sustained judgment so yeah. you're constantly balancing things up and explaining it and weighing it up as you write yeah i mean and that could be as simple as as just referring to the question at the end of each paragraph you know you you, you put in your evidence and then you say, so this suggests that the statement is incorrect. Or so this suggests that, you know, the main function of the White Tower was indeed as a symbol of power and authority. It's that constant link to the question which shows the examiner that you are actually arguing it, you know, and actually answering it as opposed to just throwing knowledge onto the paper yeah. without addressing the question. Because that's, that's got people in the past. Great knowledge, but not actually address the question. Yeah, that's that's a very common pitfall for those people who've, who've revised heavily and then have just regurgitated it. Now, I know that was an awful lot, but that was essentially nearly half a term. It was about eight lessons that we've condensed into one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and there has, uh, we've created... Um, an enormous PowerPoint which goes with this podcast and we'll put both of them onto Google Classroom for you yeah. so you can listen to it and look at the PowerPoint at the same time. And if, if anybody who isn't one of our students wants to see that podcast, I'm sure we could find a way to make that available to oh, you. Yeah, of course. If you just hit us up on Twitter and ask. Right. Uh, so I think that's everything on that one. That's a big one. The key thing is get that core mind map down with those little areas and then um, simply weigh up which one to you seems most important and be ready to talk about it. Yeah. Put it into like little compartments, you know. This is the the palace. This is the military. This is the symbolic. This is the lordship and settlement administrative, get it into little parcels on that mind map, on that spider diagram, and you will do well. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, and good luck in your exams.